The gospel lesson comes from the gospel account of Matthew in the 13th chapter, starting the 24th verse. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. While everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, The enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. They gather the wheat into my barn. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of God is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. Without a parable, he told them nothing. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth to speak in parables. I'll proclaim what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So, I don't know about you guys, but I love stories. I love compelling stories that have uh, awesome storylines, plot twists, and I especially love when it's based on a true story, because you can really connect with the emotion what somebody has gone through. And many of us can relate to stories. We can pick up on what's going on, the emotions, or we can at least see it from somebody else's point of view. And stories are a powerful thing. Remember, Scripture was originally passed down orally. And so these stories are important. Now, of course, the Word of God is not just a story. It is truth. It recorded. But there is power in telling a story. And Jesus knew this. He knew by using parables and everyday items that he could connect to his audience and teach them very important things. But there are two things that we need to keep in mind as we work through these verses today. The first is that while Jesus, as he has before, explains the parable to his disciples, he doesn't explain everything in the text. So we need to be careful. We have to be careful to not make conclusions on those things that he did not explain, and rather choose to trust in what Jesus elaborated upon. 
Second is not get tied up in the first parable of the chapter about the sower, as Jesus actually switches up the examples a bit in these later examples, or these later parables. To ignore both of these could lead us to make assumptions as to what these parables about the kingdom mean. So, today, in this text, we find ourselves right in the middle of chapter 13 in the Gospel account of Matthew. Throughout this chapter, Jesus is using parables to depict the kingdom of heaven to the crowds. Further, as he has done before, Jesus is turning to his disciples to help them understand what he has just told the people through the parable. This passage today is explaining what will come through the kingdom. And overall, chapter 13 is about teaching about the kingdom of heaven. So these three parables today, back to back, all describing the kingdom of heaven and what is to come. And in this way, these verses are what is known as apocalyptic in nature, as they describe what will happen when Jesus returns and what will come with the fruition of the kingdom. Jesus, again, uses everyday imagery that would connect with his audience. The wheat, the weeds, mustard seeds, yeast, and flour. You can picture these items as I say them. Most of you probably have most of these in your home. These are all everyday items that we can relate with. Probably the most well-known of these parables is the parable of the mustard seed. But what we're going to do today is we're going to look through all three. We're going to step back and look at all three as we seek to see the whole picture of what Jesus is preparing the people for. So the first is the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Jesus begins the parable with a sower sowing good seeds into the field. The enemy, while everyone is asleep brings about seeds of weeds to compete with the seeds of wheat. But interestingly, when all these seeds begin to sprout and grow, the sower does not allow the workers in the field to get rid of the weeds, not until the harvest day comes. Only then is the wheat harvested and the weeds are thrown into the fire. And this may cause us to scratch our heads a bit. As we know, when we grow a garden and weeds start to pop up, we pull them out as soon as possible to let the flowers grow. Let's take a closer look and see what we can learn from this. In this parable, Jesus explains that he is the sower. It's his field. It's his seed. His workers. And the harvest is, in fact, his. The wheat is those who follow Jesus. The enemy who sows the seeds of the weeds is Satan. The weeds are those who seek to do evil and reject God, sown by the enemy. The field is the entire world. The wheat are those, so then the wheat are those who brought into heaven, and the weeds are those who are left to hell. But why leave the weeds to grow among the wheat in the first place? In Palestinian agriculture, there was a common weed that actually looks very similar to wheat called the darnel. Before wheat is ready to harvest, it is actually a greenish color, and the darnel weed looks eerily similar to unripened wheat. So, to remove the weeds from the good wheat prematurely before the day of harvest would be almost impossible for the servants working in the field. They wouldn't be able to tell the two apart. And this is a hard truth for us. 
in our lives, we will not know those who seek to do evil or reject God by their looks. And in the same way, we will not be able to try and distinguish a Christian by their outside appearance. It's simply impossible. What is distinguishable, though, is what comes at the day of harvest. And we know that what is harvest from the wheat is good. But the seed inside the darnel weed is poisonous. So God allows the time until Jesus' return to separate the wheat and the weeds. And we know that the harvest is at the end of the age, with Jesus being the judge of both the wheat and the weeds. So let's now move to the parable of the mustard seed. In the parable of the mustard seed, Jesus continues his depiction of the kingdom. He shows how the kingdom comes into the world in such a humble but profound way. And this sounds really nice on the surface. But you may be wondering, what does one tiny single seed have to do with the infinite kingdom of God? And if you really compare the two, this tiny, tiny seed and the infinite kingdom of God, how can one seed make a difference? Jesus takes the parable of sowing seeds to a whole other level when he described us as the mustard seed in Matthew 13, 31 through 32. This is what it says again. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. The mustard seed that Jesus is describing is only slightly larger than a grain of sand and smaller than a grain of rice. Sounds like a compliment, right? You're as significant as a seed that is smaller than a grain of rice. But see, when this seed, this tiny insignificant seed, receives the growth of God, it can grow so large it becomes a tree capable of bearing the weight of a flock of birds. This growth is truly amazing. This kingdom seed that Jesus is talking about is something that is inside every believer. And while it might sound insignificant, but when it grows into maturity, it is capable of amazing things because it comes from God. Through the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is inside you right now, ready to be unleashed into something amazing. We're not quite there in our series yet, so I won't jump too far. But in Matthew 17, Jesus went further by saying that when you have faith like a mustard seed, you can have the power to move mountains. See, the kingdom of God starts in us like a mustard seed. Small, tiny at first. But the faith that multiplies is strong enough to change everything around it. And as I said, the mustard seed is among the smallest of seeds. But it grows into a large tree, approximately 20 feet tall and usually just as wide. So Jesus uses this parable to show how the kingdom of God would spread into the world through each believer. And of course, this is comparable to how Jesus came to be with the people in the most humble of ways. 
And in this way, the kingdom of God is much more than it seems. As the people heard this parable, they would have been shocked. And sometimes it shocks us. As this is not how we would typically think of the kingdom of God, how we would picture it. But you simply have to remember back to when Jesus entered Jerusalem on the donkey that people were expecting a conquering king at the head of an army. Not a man riding into the city on a donkey. So let's move to the next parable. The parable of the leaven. Leaven is normally a negative connotation in most scripture references. But in this specific instance, it is used to show the growth of the kingdom into the world. The kingdom is indeed active and moving, but not always plainly visible. Much like the leaven would be within the flour. Once it is mixed into flour, the leaven or yeast changes the flour to be something fundamentally different. It changes, it rises, and it grows. In many ways, the kingdom of heaven is not any different. We may not see it always active and moving, but it is. So what does this mean for us? Let's look again to verse 43. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. If we take these three parables of the kingdom and look at them from the top down, it shows us that the kingdom of heaven is here and now, but yet to come. But also truly awesome. Always working, always moving towards the day when the harvest will come. The day we refer to it in the Apostles' Creed when Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. To separate the wheat from the weeds. To show how much the mustard seed has grown. And to reveal the full measure of the kingdom of heaven. This verse summarizes what Jesus had just told the people about the coming of the kingdom. It is also a much later reference to what we see in Daniel chapter 12, prophesying the very same event. But these parables are also a warning. As this section of the gospel teaches us what happens in the world with the kingdom of God, it must also show what comes for those who reject that same kingdom. As Martin Luther explained, the parable speaks not about false Christians who sow only outwardly in their lives, but also those who are unchristian in their doctrine and faith under the Christian name, who glitter beautifully but are harmful. It is a matter of the conscience, not of the actions. In summary, we should not be surprised or frightened when all kinds of false doctrine and faith arise among us. So when the master in the parable forbids the servants to go and weed out in the field, we have to understand this is not to be interpreted as instruction to be passive in the face of evil. It is not a godly command to ignore injustice, violence, or wrong within our world or within the church. But it is, in fact, a realistic look into the fact that brokenness and hurt are here. They are present in our world. It is also 
a powerful reminder that we do not have the power or ability to get rid of all the weeds. And then in our attempts to do so, we can easily cause more harm than good. And as it pertains to false teachers and false prophets we encounter, the answer for us is simple. God's word. God's word. God's word in the leading to in discernment by the Holy Spirit. But take notice. Jesus doesn't tell the disciples, nor the people that is their job to root out the weeds. Nor is the mustard seed of the kingdom reliant on our good works to grow. And just like the yeast is not dependent on the baker to cause a chemical reaction in the flour, the kingdom is not dependent on us to advance it. God can and will establish whatever he chooses to be so. In this sense, we then have to be like those servants in the field who listen to the sower. We do not need to spend our days and time rooting out the weeds among us. So what is our job? Our job is to boldly proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ and love our God and love our neighbors. Have you ever been asked, do you think this person has been saved? Or do you think they are a believer? While I certainly understand the concern that is being shared, we should care immensely if our fellow brothers and sisters know Jesus. But it should only be to the end that we want to share with him the wonder of our Savior. It is not a temperature check. And not because the idea that there's no such thing as false converts, as 1517 contributor Daniel Price noted, but because it is easy for us to become obsessed with such a thing. It is a dangerous thing for us to be like the servants in the field trying to weigh the words and actions of the people around us to identify if they are the weeds. We can become obsessed with blemishes and spots. We can become obsessed with others' brokenness. We may try to fix what is broken in each other. Let me be transparent with you. If you're looking for brokenness before Jesus, you need look no further than this very pulpit. None of us are above this. So this parable given by Jesus is not a tool for us to root out people, to figure out who is the weeds among the church. This would shift our focus to the enemies. This focus would inevitably hurt, create division, and sow confusion. And as you know, these are all tools of the enemy. And in the same way, if we're trying to to be busy, trying to root out the weeds, we may also put on a false front to look like the wheat around us. This is also dangerous. We can easily become overtaken with pointing out others' wrongs in the vein of promoting our own righteousness. Daniel Price continues his thought with this. The shocking truth is Jesus doesn't say weeds who look like wheat are the primary problem. This isn't why he tells the servants not to gather them up. 
Jesus doesn't share our fear of having unbelievers sitting in the pews next to us. We simply have to read through the verses again to confirm that. The reason he gives is this. We cannot be trusted not to throw out rough-looking wheat along with those wheats. Jesus knows wheat can look a whole lot like weeds when judging it before the final harvest. We have to shift our focus then to not be on proving the righteousness of others, but rather to focus onto the truth that we know. That Jesus Christ was sent to be with us, to redeem us, to defeat sin and death, to be resurrected and exalted. And so all who accept this and believe will be saved. They are justified by Jesus Christ. The price has been paid. That's it. This is what makes a Christian. This is what sows a person into the field as wheat. By and through Jesus Christ and nothing else. God will sort out the, wheat, the weeds from the wheat. And Jesus knew this better than we can ever understand. So Jesus used the parables to draw people in. To make us curious and want to hear more. Jesus was purposely provoking and breaking the people out of their old way of thinking so they could see the kingdom's message. The gospel message that is still there after all this time for us. Because of Jesus. Jesus is the son of man who sows the seed. The reason we have been redeemed, purchased, and brought into the kingdom of God is because of Jesus. And this was not done so that we can be the perfect example of faith to our neighbors. To be spotless, to be perfect. I worry myself about doing everything right. We all do. And there's nothing wrong with working hard, aiming to do something right. But I wonder, I wonder if we're willing to be more open with one another in our struggles. And just as importantly, to be open with our neighbors who don't know Christ, with our struggles and our hope, how might we affect them? Would they look at us and see someone who is perfect because they follow Jesus? You already know that answer. No, they will see someone who is in their own brokenness, who deals with their own ugly spots in their lives, who has hope and purpose because God stepped down from his throne to take their sins to the cross through no power of their own. We must share our hope through our own brokenness. So I want to encourage you today to go out of your comfort zone, to embrace others in their brokenness, to share both your brokenness and your hope, to know that life on this side of the kingdom is messy, imperfect, demanding, and blemished. And we must give grace because we have already received more grace than we can ever understand because of Jesus Christ. The Son of Man. His work. His redemptive power. Through this, He has sown us into the field and has redeemed us from the enemy, and He will keep us from the fire. He will reap the wheat and separate the weeds. It's His kingdom, 
his field. It's all about Jesus, his person and his kingdom to come. So God will not abandon his people to the fire if they choose him. So which kingdom will you choose? Amen.